on June 7th, Alcatraz is back in business. A battery of VX gas rockets is presently deployed on the population of the San Francisco Bay Area. Now, the only way to stop the unthinkable is to get the one man who broke out of the rock. I have a unique knowledge of this prison facility. I was formerly a guest here. To lead a chemical weapon specialist. You're a chemical freak. Chemical super freak. To break back in. From Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, the producers of Top Gun and Crimson Tide, and Michael Bay, the director of Bad Boys. Welcome to The Rock. Sean Connery. 30 years ago, I vowed I wouldn't die in this toilet. Nicholas Cage. All right, I have to do it myself. I got three weeks weapons training. Ed Harris. Fire. This summer, get ready. <laughs> you enjoying this? To Rock. It's just about the most awful thing I've ever seen. The Rock, rated R. They All right. Michael Bean's there, so they've been blessed by Bean. Pretty awesome. He's one of many talented, talented performers in this movie. So. Yeah. Well, with, with that being said, welcome to an all new episode of Reconcinimation. I'm your host, John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we are right in the middle of Alcatraz August, our summer vacation. So we're, we're up here in Alcatraz. We've booked a few rooms and just just having a hangout you know there's yeah. no no better place than alcatraz does your room have a draft i have one hell of a draft there's it's there's like the a, biggest problem there's a very draft. cool there's a, a bit of a stench um but it's you know part of the decor it's part of, yeah it's quite I a got, decor i got the warden's office suite so i'm i'm living really well there you go nice you go. i'm you know, it's very comfortable there i certainly feel like i'm surrounded by asbestos and uh <laughs> there's more cobwebs here than i've seen in a very long time yeah <laughs> well they dress it they dress it specifically uh that way for us so yeah um, but yeah, our last episode, we took a look back at, at Point Blank, which is another uh, 60s action kind of heist uh, film that set uh, the a chunk of it on Alcatraz. And, and we figured we're going to stay here for one of the 90s biggest, most fun action movies. That's right. We're talking about Michael Bay's The Rock. Is this our first Bay? Is this our this first, is our first Bay. Welcome to the show, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. I think a few yeah. people here. You know, we we I think oh, Ed sure. Harris, right? I can't believe this is the first time we're talking about. I Ed don't Harris. think we've had Ed on. Could the show. be. Could be. Yeah. I'll have to check um, his resume. Yeah, and a, and a welcome return for Nicolas Cage and uh, Sean Connery, and of course Michael Bean, amongst others. This is there's quite a huge cast in this film, but, you know, we wanted to it's been kind of a somber since we see since we kickstarted season five a few uh, months ago, we, you know, it's been a somber couple of months every episode where we're kind of dedicating to someone who's passed away, whether it's Ray Liotta or James Caan or Paul Sorvino. And now, you know, we just just heard about Anne Heche and what a tragic loss that was um yep. but you know we wanted to shift the focus to something fun here so uh the rock is 
has always been up the top of my, you know, action movies that I just, I love. I, and I've always loved it. It's, we'll get into the Michael Bay-isms of it all, but uh, it's the one Bay movie that, like, I will always love. I never, this one's never dipped for me. Wow. You didn't even yeah. have a, you didn't even have a bad period with it. No, not with The Rock. Nope. No, it stands. It stands. Like, I you yeah. can't say that, I don't think, for any other Michael Bay or even very few Jerry Bruckheimer produced movies, but I'm with you, John. I think the rock uh, is a good time, no matter when you see it. Yeah. It's kind of, it is in a weird way. I mean, this came out in the summer of 96, but in a weird way, this is, this kind of feels timeless to me. Like it could Mm -hmm. be in the nineties. It could be now there's nothing. I don't know. There's nothing huge that dates the movie. You know, it doesn't, have to take place in the 90s it's just sort of generic present day yeah i mean it's a i mean it's a there's nothing egregious that certainly sets it at any specific time right i mean it's just uh, a very popcorn heavy mm-hmm. summer blockbuster action that's executed really well like it's you know and and even all the the elements to it, you know, like there's nothing like super, super original about it in any way. It's all really rinse, repeat, but the way that they kind of formulate it and put it all together and, and, and everything is just a lot of fun. It's a wild ride. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of, you're getting some really good key performances from several of the, of the cast that really kind of carry it. I mean, some of, some of the performances are I think really stand out and I'm sure we'll talk through them, but it's just, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's fun. And it plays obviously on some, some old, uh, old, you know, like some of the actors older work. And it's, I think it just really, everything kind of like connects really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, uh, well, obviously we're going to dive real deep into this one, but summer of 96, that's one of my favorite movie summers, not because I love all of those movies that came out now, but I sure did then. Like I, that was probably the first summer where I knew I was going to be going to film school and that was going to be my career and, and was just really excited about these movies. And, and we've covered a couple of them here, which you can listen to in the archives at www.reconsideration.com. We covered Twister and we covered uh, Independence Day. So, which was one of our, one of our first, I think our fourth episode, our third or fourth episode. So was ID4 that early? Yeah, ID4, yeah. This is, yeah, like, uh, this is, so yeah, Independence Day was number one in the box office that year, Twister number two. This, The Rock, spoiler alert, the fourth. So we are going in hard on ninety summer 96 in this show uh, at all times. So, you know, you can't stop, you can't stop it. It's, it's, it's just one of those seminal, summers right yeah i used to be able to recall the actual like order of the releases that summer because i think i saw you know every big movie that year but it was something like twister mission impossible Mm -hmm. the rock the cable guy uh kingpin was in there i feel like i'm missing one but um multiplicity multiplicity yeah jack maybe was jack out that summer jack was out the late yeah in august yeah yeah so Nutty Professor oof. was in there. Maybe that's the other big one that Nutty yeah. Professor. Yep. 
101 Dalmatians, I think. Uh, I might be off on that one. There's got to be a Disney movie in there. You know, maybe a Tarzan or a Hercules, I think was 97. But yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of huge movies that summer. And we talked about it before that I think 96 was the first really big official, you know, 4th of July, you know, Memorial Day to 4th of July, like those are your big kind of tentpole moments and they're right next to each other, but, uh, you know, really kickstarting the summer. And then it was every summer after that was like, what is the 4th of July movie? That's going to be the, the biggest movie of the right. year. Right. Um, and it's probably going to have Will Smith in it. Probably yeah. for a little while. <laughs> for a while. <laughs> that was but, the formula. But for those uh, just, just, you know, kind of recalling the rock, uh, David, you want to run down, What's the plot? What's happening in this movie? Uh, the Rock is an exciting, exciting tale of two different men. One, played by Nicolas Cage, who is a chemical weapons, toxicology, bioweapon, bio, biochemist expert who works for the government. And he is thrown into a terrorist situation uh, where Ed Harris, a general of the Marines, he's a Marine, um, you know, he has he has decided that the government has not treated its veterans and soldiers well and that families continue to suffer under the oppressive imperialism of America. And all he wants to do is set things right for the men who died under his command. So he so. The, he sets up sort of a terrorist situation where he takes hostages, threatens the city of San Francisco from the island of Alcatraz, and the art, the 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 Navy SEALs who are going to go in need two experts: one, someone to stop the weapons. That's Nicholas Cage. Two, someone to navigate that Alcatraz, and that is played by Sean Connery, who is a British spy who is disavowed by Great Britain and the U.S. after he stole a number of secrets, uh, and they locked away, locked him away, and threw away the key. Two men with different outlooks of what it means to be an American and a patriot up against a army, well, a platoon of quote unquote bad guys, and uh, we just don't know what's going to happen by the time we get to the end. Uh, could San Francisco be destroyed? We don't know. And uh, it's very exciting. Well done. A little bit buckle of editorializing up. here. Yeah, get buckle up indeed. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. Huge cast. Huge Great cast. actors. I mean, great actors in this movie. Um, and and there, there's there's so much to, to love here. And spoiler so, alert, we love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the, uh, Brent, when did you first, did you see it in the theaters? Did you see it later? When was the first time you heard about The Rock? Yeah, no, I definitely saw it in the theaters. Uh, I saw it, I'm positive, probably uh, right around opening weekend. <clears throat> summer of 96 would have been the summer after I graduated high school. So this was kind of the summer between uh, wrapping that up and starting college. And uh, I remember seeing this at the theater with several of my good buddies, some of which uh, you've met, you know, Andy was there. Nice, uh, you know, and a and a big uh, crew of our friends from that time, and so uh, saw it in the theater. 
more than once, but I definitely saw it uh, that first time with that group. And um, yeah, it was great. I mean, I loved it. It was an, it was an awesome time. I remember after the movie, us all just like going back to Andy's apartment and just like talking about it for hours because it was so much fun. And it was yeah. just, uh, you know, like just, uh, again, really uh, kind of perfectly delivered summer action uh, movie that hit you right at the beginning of the summer. Mm-hmm. I lived at, I lived at the theater that summer. So it was like it was a great opening to the to the to the summer kind of film slate. Yeah. David, uh, what about you? Did you see in the theater or later on? Absolutely saw it in theaters. Absolutely. Uh, I probably saw it with my father. Uh, I don't know. Saw lots of movies. You know, I saw Mission Impossible that year. This was up that that this one was up there. Independence Day. Didn't see Twister that year. Uh, but your loss. Your your loss. Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> Although I don't think I would have enjoyed it that much back then. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Loved it this, this in the last two years when we yeah. saw it. But uh, The Rock, yeah, this was uh, right up my alley. So um, uh, I went w- with uh, excitement and enthusiasm. Yeah, I uh, I also saw it in the theater. I had to, I remember having to, well, actually, before I saw it, I used to get uh, weekly variety, so not daily variety, but weekly variety because I was in New York and, you know, it took a minute to get there. So I can only get one a week. <laughs> but I remember seeing a blurb of it, you know, and Michael Bean, it was like a, a shot of Nicolas Cage and Michael Bean. I think Sean Connery, like looking over the blueprints before the Navy SEALs, like, like go oh my god michael bean is in like a new big action movie with sean connery i i'm there i have to be there so uh i was very excited about it and went to the theater with my friend mark i was 16 years old was very excited we saw like it was in like went after school for some reason i think it it was the summer so it was like school was just we were probably in finals and went after after uh one of them very excited, go to buy my ticket, and the the ticket person who I would later become friends with would not sell me the ticket because I was not of the appropriate age and was called out on that. So Wow. Yeah. So then I bought a ticket for Dragonheart and then snuck into the theater. So another Sean Connery movie. Another, another. Sean Connery. Um, but yeah, this was a uh, this was a three Peter for me. So this was definitely I loved it, saw it with uh, one friend saw with a different group of friends and then a different group of friends just i I couldn't get enough of it uh the soundtrack that you know the score the hans zimmer score was just in my in my it's probably still in my brain um but yeah it was just it was it was that summer you know it was a great like you said brent summer fun action movie done done perfectly um you know uh, looking back on it, it it feels a little bit like Goonies meets Lethal Weapon meets Bullet, you know, kind of this right. weird combination of all three of those, uh, just adding a lot more guns. So, yeah, it's a lot of guns. <laughs> that sounds like a good time to me. So, <laughs> um, a little bit of trivia though: there are three three cast reunions in this movie. Don't say it now. We'll give you to the end of the episode. See if anybody can recall what those three pairings are i know one for sure i won't say it but i know one for sure we'll we'll circle back to it 
All right. So there's some something for everyone to think about. But um, let's talk about the person behind the movie here. Let's start off with Mr. Michael Bay, his first appearance on Reconcinimation of what could be uh, based on the time period we're covering, what, two or three? What falls in, like, Bad, Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon, Pearl Harbor? That's kind of the yeah, that's kind of window it, right? we're looking at. I don't know if we'll ever cover Pearl Harbor or not, but I, I definitely see an Armageddon popping up. And Oh, uh, I hope <laughs> not. I hope not. Got to get that, that song playing, so. Mm. <laughs> um, so Michael Bay... <laughs> Michael Bay then, Michael Bay in 1996 versus Michael Bay now. I, I think there's a pretty big difference. Um, yeah. You know. I mean, 96, he was kind of, it was fresh, you know, it yeah. was new. Like he had done Bad Boys. Everything else was really, I mean, he had done a bunch of music videos. I think looking through kind of what they were, to me, the one that stands out the most is Meat Loaf's. Yeah, I would do anything for love. I, that's the one. Yeah. yeah, I would do anything for love was kind of like the one that I looked at and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But he did a ton of music videos. I know he'd done like just a little bit of a music video that was done for Days of Thunder. <clears throat> and that's really where Bruckheimer, I guess, and Don Simpson first kind of took notice of him. Yeah. But Bad Boys he had done, which at the time, like I enjoyed, but it, you know, going in to see The Rock. Um, he wasn't like a name yet. So it wasn't really, I think it was the rock that kind of made him more of a name where you're like, wow, that has a very specific kind of look and energy and aesthetic that, you know, like um, was kind of fresh for the time. And I think um, carried, you know, his popularity into, you know, several of the other bigger movies that he, he, he did post this but going into the rock it was new it was exciting uh, i think it's probably where it's the best executed uh is is in this movie um and uh you know i i i can't really say that i love too many of his movies uh beyond this except for this one but uh but yeah at, at the time again great summer kind of slap in the face super energetic super exciting uh played perfectly in in this movie and you know i think certainly understand why it carried his career uh to some of the other big movies yeah this was a big turning point this movie for for him you know he had done bad boys which was was a hit i mean right. a big hit it wasn't, oh, it wasn't I, enormous yeah. though it, it was a big hit though yeah it but was this popular was, Right. Uh, but this was the movie that, okay, you can make it two in a row, then you're somebody who Hollywood's going to be in business with. And and his name was all over this. Like everywhere you saw The Rock, it was, you also saw the, the words Michael Bay, a Michael Bay film, right. you know? Right. Um, so there was definitely a push to make him the next big, at least action movie director. But, you know, the movies he's done since then, David, you're a huge fan, aren't you? <laughs> I like some of those. I, you know, that Pain and Gain was pretty good uh, with the with uh, the Rock and and uh, what's his face, uh, Mark Mark, Mark, Wahlberg. Mark Mark Wahlberg. That's yep, a fun movie. Yeah. That's a, it's a nice little. It's not like an action movie necessarily, you know, but it's a uh, um, 
I saw that and I, I kind of like that a lot. I, you know, I didn't see Armageddon in the theaters. I saw it later. Also, your loss, your loss. <laughs> but it had that's like the uh, Armageddon had sort of the cheese factor that, you know, made it kind of, uh, but still kind of exciting in a lot of places. So, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of fun times. And then, uh, you know, geez, what else? Well, there's there's What's a lot. I mean, I mean, and I like I Bad mean... Boys. I like Bad Boys, and Bad Boys Two is pretty good. So, that, yeah. you know, shit. I don't know. I think I think stuff. the island is pretty good. I mean, there's definitely like things that he's done that is entertaining, you know, but yeah. I think that what happens yeah. with a lot of directors is they become kind of prisoners of their own style. You know, like I think I've talked oh, about sure. it before with like Tim Burton and even uh, Wes Anderson in some mm-hmm. some regards. And this is another one where like kind of the style of his filmmaking also at a certain point, you know, once it's been out there a while it's not fresh it's not new like it just becomes a little bit it's like work to get through you know because it's just like it's kind of exhausting it's very like over it's beating you over the head you know and for me like the rock it was still fresh it was still kind of new but really past that when you get into armageddon felt like total rinse repeat armageddon to me like i just uh you know like i'm not gonna bash that movie but i do not care for it too much i'm much more the deep impact uh oh, fan club than i am than i am the armageddon group but i mean he's got other movies that are like interesting i think you're right pain and gain is good yeah. um you know i again i like the island i think that that's pretty interesting but his style is such that like there's more, uh, you know, it's more style than substance in a lot of cases. And, and, you know, again, the rock, I think is a good mix of all of it. And the other films kind of later, I think it's just a little bit of, you know, it's harder for him to recapture that. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, his movies almost always make a ton of money, right? So they're, they're very financially successful, but mm-hmm. street cred and shelf life is a totally different thing where, where those movies are going to make usually going to make their all the money they're going to make up front because later on down the road, these are not movies people are really coming back to for the most part. Um, but especially there, now that the home video market has sort of changed. Yeah. Well, you know, his style is so it's trying to be evocative, right? It's trying to like really, he tries to fill the frame and make things epic and big and well with a with a great score underneath to just you know pound you into like this is this is big and massive no matter yeah, it what all it feels is. really epic you yeah know? and like, beyond that i mean it's very it's very i mean let's get specific it's very masculine oh, he's yeah. got very specific oh, no trademarks of the way the, like the camera is always moving always and sometimes from one direction to the complete opposite like mm-hmm. there's no right it, continuity no, right there, you're you're never sitting still just absorbing something there's yeah. there's extremely attractive women who are just completely gram glamorized and sexualized mm-hmm. you know especially you look at look yeah at, there's uh, no there's no meat on the characters at all. You know, like they're just, they're really yeah. there for eye candy. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, big. it's pretty gross. <laughs> it's yeah. Big. I mean, it's pretty bad. It's very yep. bad. 
it's pretty it's big explosions usually some kind of public transportation bus or a taxi or whatever something's blowing up <laughs> uh you know it's just massive and and like you guys said a, a lot of style over substance and characters that are really not that engaging but you're really just watching it for the action and the spectacle of it which is you know what the summer blockbuster movies really became for a long period of time right the rock is swinging back the other direction and maybe it's because we'll get into all the writers that had a hand in it mm -hmm. but there's enough really good writers that you know that beefed up some of the characters that gave them a little life that made them oh, yeah. feel like real people in this situation and not just uh caricatures yeah absolutely and there's enough i mean again like the acting in this you know a couple of, i mean there's uh, we've mentioned these three actors already and i think each one has kind of a standout kind of performance in one way or another right so like there's nick cage who i think really delivers a lot of great well-timed humor uh with his portrayal of the of the you know expert chemist you know and then and then there's um you know sean connery who any fanboy of like sean connery growing up loves the fact that this uh, this character obviously kind of harkens back to james bond and you know his his portrayal of of that character and it's really fun and you kind of eat it up and his charm and you know what what he's delivering and then ed harris is kind of like the the bad guy you know i mean the the torn he's he's such a he's a decorated one-star general who is basically a hero like everybody who talks about him throughout the course of the the movie talks about like his accolades and you're like man this guy's supposed to be the bad guy but like you also respect what he's done in his past and you kind of want to listen to what he has to say and he's so good the gravitas that he brings with his performance you know i mean it's just it's like on another level and so you know between the three of those and then you pepper in like all the great supporting characters i mean this thing is riddled with like super talented recognizable actors that that really know their part as like the supporting cast and really help propel it and give those other three guys kind of the platform to do their thing I mean, it's just a really great combination that that delivers in that regard, you know. And so, it, even even though it's kind of mindless summer popcorn blockbuster fare, like the performances help sell it and carry it. And and yeah. you add that with the energy of the filmmaking and the score and everything that's going on, you know, the action is fun to watch and the explosions are, you know, like they they're huge and out of this world, but fit fit the world that they've kind of created for this movie. I mean, it's, it's, it is pretty well put together as a whole. hundred percent. I mean, you look at the performances here versus the performances in Armageddon and the Transformers movies and even yeah. the newest one. You can't Ambulance. even see what's happening in Transformer movies. Right. Like that's the thing that pisses me off the most about those movies is like anytime one of the robots changes, like you're all close up on gears and, shit like that like you hear the sound but you don't see the actual transformation they like hit it from the audience because it was too complicated to 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 show and it's like it's so i think it's it's so disheartening or so like it works against it so much like it just drives me crazy you know and so in this like you kind of see everything it's right out there in front of you 
I mean, granted, it's not nearly as complicated as all that, but still, you know, like I feel just in general, like action movies these days have gotten into this habit of being super like close up and just like not really showing you a bigger picture of what's what's happening, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, I don't know, getting a little old. Well, and this too, I mean, it doesn't, this movie doesn't feel forced with the characters and the performances. Whereas later on, it's like, oh, this is the character. This is the quirky kind of funny lead character right. with his like, you know, weird quirks and, and, you know, but it feels like, okay, you, this is the formula. You have to hit this formula, which you established in the rock. Yeah. This side, the formula didn't exist before this. And then right. everything after was like, here's the formula. Right. right. And I like mean, Con Air's, off- Con Air's like, is Con Air one of his? It's not, right? No, no, but okay. it feels like it. It does feel like it. But but like the pissed off FBI guy or the, the head of whatever, the, the government right. rep person who's in every movie. So, yeah, um, I, yeah, I don't know. This one just stays just on the, the right side of it and, and it works. But and, and Michael Bay's had interesting you know, when you hear about like the first thing that he filmed when he was eight, he filmed firecrackers on a a train set and just filming it until it exploded and that was like the first thing and then he knew that's that's what he wanted to do like explosions give me more explosions that is what you are gonna do sir yeah (laughs) um but he ended up uh interning for for george lucas on raiders of the lost ark he uh graduated from wesleyan in in 1986 and then started commercials and music videos and for about seven years or so yeah. And then did, you know, did just tons, tons of exposure there. And uh, like you mentioned, Brent ran across uh, Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer and Days of Thunder, and they kept their eye on him and, and gave him uh, the shot with bad boys. And then which led directly into this. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Just... It's interesting because there's so many different things in this movie that are obvious, like kind of homages like 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 we were saying up at the beginning like there's nothing really original about this movie <clears throat> but all the different pieces like feel like they're taken from great like other great movies and mm-hmm. they they kind of men you know they they've sewn them together well you know obviously there's cool car chase scenes like bullet there's there's a whole like under alcatraz <laughs> like uh, uh mining shaft yeah, scene this, that, this that massive... feels very Raiders of the Lost Art. You know, I mean, it's yeah. like, where's well, that? Goonies. You know, so... it's, it, that's the, <clears> and that's Goonies. A, that's yeah. the part that's Goonies. You know, there's so many great standoffs, you know, where it's just like, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it, it's fun. And then, and then to your point, John, what you're talking about, which I'm sure we're about to get into is just the writers and like the, you know, there are so many talented writers that contributed uh, along the way and you can feel like they weren't as well known, obviously, then as they are now, but you can feel their influences in certain spots. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I get that. I see yeah. that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Simpson and Bruckheimer, which we recently talked about on our episode, looking back at Top Gun. Again, check that out in the archives at reconsinimation.com. David, favorite Simpson Bruckheimer movie? Go. Mm. Here's your choices. Flashdance, Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2, mm. Thief of Hearts, a big one, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Uh, Days of Thunder, The Ref, Bad Boys, Crimson Tide, Dangerous Minds. 
the uh, rock. probably you know after the rock probably bad boys you know uh and then and, and beverly Hills cop you know Come for on, different yeah. reasons let's let's the right answer is beverly Hills cop yeah yeah, Hills good, cop. I guess. yeah they're crimson different tide is pretty rad too though yeah, Crimson Tide. Yep, Crim- I love a huge Crimson Tide fan. Yeah. right here, Gene Hackman. Right, you can't. Yeah, how many uh, times I've pitched Denzel? that for us to cover like seven times, and we keep it we keeps keep not it. not happening. We're saving but, it. We're saving it. Yeah, but um, but The Rock is really the the final. Again, we talked about it in our Top Gun episode, but The Rock is really the final Simpson Bruckheimer film, and um, you know their partnership, which had lasted almost fifteen years was pretty much at an end. I think personality wise, they had, they had kind of found the limit of their relationship and was time to kind of separate. But, you know, just, uh, I think they were just into filming here when, when, or maybe towards the end of filming when uh, Don Simpson, Simpson passed away. And the partnership was for sure ended at that point. Yeah. But um, so this was, you know the the opening credits where where you see their their logo and the two lightning bolts. This was the last one with the two lightning bolts. The rest right. then became Bruckheimer's logo of just the one lightning bolt. Yeah. Although Enemy of the State is still considered. Yeah, we. I think we. I think we talked about that too, right? That that's. Yeah. It was developed by them, so right. it was it was the last one that was released under their umbrella. Yeah. But this is the last one they actually physically produced together. Yep. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about the writers. There were so many involved here. The uh, the original script was written by David Weisberg and Douglas Cook, and it was the basic idea was there. You know, it was it was pretty much formed, and you know, nothing uh, but nothing groundbreaking in there. So Bruckheimer right. and Simpson bring in a multitude of other writers. Uh, Mark Rosner is the one who ends up getting credit and did a bulk of the the character work and just building those characters and getting them off the ground uh, and giving more life to them. But then, you know, Aaron Sorkin is brought in and he punches up Nicholas Cage's dialogue and Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet come in and rewrite Sean Connery's dialogue. Uh, Quentin Tarantino does a rewrite. Jonathan Heinsley mm-hmm. does, a, uh, does a, a big rewrite to the point where Michael Bay felt like he should have been the credited writer. Mm-hmm. When, when it gets to that point, it's a little hard to tell who's exactly doing what, but some writers were brought in for very specific reasons. So you take a chance there because the movie could completely come apart, which we've seen with many other films. When you have that many hands playing with it, that, that then you start to lose the focus. Here it did not, and it just strengthened, you know, bit by bit, it was strengthening all the pieces. And I think that's why you end up with such a, a fun movie that works and characters that work because you had all these things kind of interweaving together. Yeah, I'd be interested to see like what I have my theories, but I'd be interested to see specifically what elements Tarantino may have added. I feel, mm. I feel like. The standoffs feel very Tarantino to yes. me. Yes, there, there's um, definitely a Mexican standoff there. Yeah, uh, I Any get pop culture reference. You know, came from him yeah. most likely. I get some of Sorkin's writing and some of the some of the dialogue from Nick Cage. I feel like Sorkin also. Um, well, Sorkin definitely worked on 
Cage's dialogue specifically. Yeah. But but I feel like he may have also contributed to some of the monologues that, you know, like he does a really good job at monologuing. And I feel like, well, some of that. I think the opening portion before they go to Alcatraz, it feels like maybe it's because there's some Sorkin actors like John Spencer who appear there. Yeah. It feels like, you know, all the FBI explanation and that whole storyline between Spencer and and uh, Sean Connery's character, mm-hmm. Mason, that feels like maybe there's some Sorkin in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be it'd be uh, uh, impossible to find, but would be cool to figure out, like, you know, who contributed what. But, yeah, definitely feel thumbprints kind of all throughout. Uh, well, well, let's just extend an invitation. Yeah, if you fair. were. If you were a writer on The Rock, just call 1-900-909-9900. That's our hotline and uh, leave a voicemail and we will bring you on the show. We'll get everybody together and they can, we'll do a live reading and uh, each writer can read the parts that they wrote. You did pay the bill for that phone line, right? Because I paid for uh, someone. David, to... was that, that was, I think that got passed over to you. It's a toll call, so the 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 dialers, the the, the people who call, pay right? For it, not us. That's that's right. You're right. We yeah. make the profit. They pay that's for a... it. They pay for the content. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. This is dated. This right here is dated content. People, <laughs> some listeners might not know what. There's 900 numbers still. I'm sure. There's if anybody. There? Can... I'm pretty sure Dion Warwick retired. <laughs> if anybody can figure out what. One nine hundred nine zero nine ninety nine hundred is just shoot us a, a tweet and let us know you figured it out. But uh, anyway, let's talk about is that. The Ron Pope Peels. Uh, <laughs> no, sorry. You're a chemical freak. <laughs> I'm a chemical super freak, actually, but I still need a gun. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage in 1996. Now, when we talk about a turning point for people. The, the Rock is the turning point in Nicolas Cage's career. You look at all his body of work leading up to this movie and then what he did afterwards, and it's like two entirely different actors. I feel the- like that's partially true, but I think it's the combination of leaving Las Vegas and this that changed kind of his body of work. Well, yeah, it's it's sort of the one-two punch because... yeah him winning best actor for leaving Las Vegas in 95 leads to him being offered the summer blockbuster movie. Right. He's like a legit leading man, legit, like, you know, can carry the top marquee. Yeah. Type thing, you know, and not that the work that he did before these, I mean, he's got great projects in there, but certainly like, I think the combination of these two really proved, that he could be that that kind of had that lead character. Well, arguably, his body of work prior to The Rock is the work that really holds up now. Versus afterwards, you've got a ton of action movies. I mean, look, look at what look at what you've got before. You've got Valley Girl and Moon. This is not an order. Moonstruck, Raising Arizona, Peggy Sue Got Married. Honeymoon in Vegas. Don't you dare forget that film. Oh, are you kidding? I love that movie. <laughs> Why haven't Tess. we done that one? Yeah. Uh, what could happen to you? Like, you know, we're getting into the early 90s, doing more romantic movies, uh, and then leading into Wild at Heart. Let's not forget that. 
leaving Las Vegas, which is a horribly depressing alcohol or alcohol movie about an alcoholic who goes to Las Vegas to drink himself to death. And it's, it's difficult to watch and incredibly powerful, powerful, amazing performance. Um, And then winning best actor for that. And then turning around and deciding to do, I'm going to do the, the Hollywood action movie and start making some money now. Yeah. Financially amazing choice that he did there, but he never really turned back. Very rarely did he, did he throw out an adaptation? Which is great though. Which which is also great. I feel like he's getting back there though. Like, honestly, like, I mean, the last couple years, like, Two of his movies that he's done in the last couple of years are literally in, I mean, I'm not even bullshitting in my top movies of the year. So mm-hmm. like last year, uh, 2021, he did Pig. Dude, Pig is an excellent movie. I yeah. really, really like that movie. And if you haven't seen it, certainly check it out. And then recently, holy shit, man, the unbearable weight of massive talent is amazing. Like yeah, it's, it's so genius. good. I'm it's... so disappointed that it didn't get more attention when it was out in theaters, but it is amazing. And I mean, I, for a bunch of different reasons, part of them being anybody who's a fanboy of, of, <laughs> of movies or anything like that is going to get a kick at it, but, but it's really good and it's really well constructed and put together. Absolutely. Yeah, he's had, I mean, he's had, obviously, he, in the 90s and 2000s and 2010s, just action movie after action movie from the National Treasures to the Ghost Riders to the Bangkok Dangerous and then a bunch of movies. He really slipped off the radar. And, and we've as we've learned more about his personal situation over the last year, we're starting to understand why he was sure. doing the movies he was doing and, and they just weren't working and he his characters were the wicker man i mean just yeah. over the top to say the least uh yeah. and less and less believable and and it's like where did nicolas cage actually go and then finally with the last few years really there's other movies leading up to pig that oh yeah for sure i mean started, yeah that built a street cred back and then color and uh, space is one mm-hmm, which is yep. really good mandy is really mandy, good yeah um, I mean, I'm not going to lie, dude, guilty pleasure. I'll go back and watch national treasure. Like sure, I can that put was... that on anytime, but that was 2004. Of course, it's not right. anytime recent, but I, I, you know, he's got, he like sprinkles things throughout. Like he never fully like just disappears, but like he does oversaturate the market yeah. and just throws so much stuff out there, but there are great performances in a lot of them. I mean, Joe is another one that he's really yeah. good in. Yep. Um, haven't seen Willie's Wonderland. I want to, uh, I don't know that it's really good, but it reminds me of a movie from my childhood that I loved called fun house, which, uh, if you haven't seen, you should check it out. It's an old Toby Hooper movie. Um, I don't know. But, yeah. But massive talent is like sort of the, where everything comes together and it's such a meta movie and, and oh, it's really just genius. If you haven't seen it, check it out now. But, um, Stanley Goodspeed is who he's playing here. And yes, David, how do we feel about about Stanley as a character? Do you like Stanley? Do you dislike him? Is he over the top? What do you, what do you think? We got started off on the wrong foot. Stan Goodspeed, FBI. Uh, let's talk music. Do you like the Elton John song Rocket Man? I don't like soft ass shit. Oh, you don't. Well, I only bring it up because uh, it's you. 
You're the rocket man. He's great. He's, he's he's a good dude. He's he's an earnest dude. They 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 try to pepper in like little personality things. He's a Beatle maniac. He's a Beatle maniac. Like, yeah. Doesn't mm-hmm. come up later. Doesn't at all. Like you know, he's not singing Beatles songs. No, he likes to it. hang around the apartment in the nude. Yeah, yep. just plays his guitar. He not only is he great about biochemistry and you know just everything about you know uh, uh you know toxins and 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 chemicals and all that he's also he can just diffuse bombs apparently he's just great like that's a that's part of his training like, yeah yeah he could he diffuses two separate essentially that opening <laughs> sequence know. like how fun is that opening sequence with the doll right oh yeah 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 like so like yeah just to establish like his badassery you know that 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 has a kinetic uh kineticism to it uh that it's just like oh yeah like there's literally a disaster that's about to about to happen because it was idiot intern or whatever and uh it would have destroyed the whole building like oh man like people are gonna be... and he solves it he's he he just figures out how to defuse a bomb well he stays <laughs> yeah. cool right while his his todd luiso who's his his partner is kind of panicking and they've let out the talk to- the toxin is coming out and they've got only a few seconds to defuse this bomb or it's gonna you know the toxins leaking out into the room not enough for the explosion yet but if the bomb explodes it's going to go everywhere and he's only got like 30 seconds and blah 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 we are also we also have xander berkeley a great character actor in that scene mm-hmm. uh, on the outside mm-hmm. of the uh the room where where he's locked up but uh then we get the introduction of the stab yourself in the heart with the uh, <laughs> with <laughs> Yeah, with the, I forget what it's called the the anti toxin medication that'll save you. So, yeah. but that plot yeah. device is introduced way here in the beginning, and will come full circle by the end. I think yeah, what's so cool it, about his character in this is that he's like he's obviously a fish out of water when it comes to like the machismo aspect of like the Marines or the Navy SEALs that he's been partnered with for the the you know breaking into alcatraz but he's kind of a badass in his own way right like i mean like we were saying Mm -hmm. he's obviously he can defuse bombs he's not like he's cool under pressure um you know i mean fuck he rips off and steals some dude's yellow ferrari and freaking like chases sean connery through uh you know san francisco Mm -hmm. And like you see in that scene, I think it's cool that like he's also very human. You know, he, in, you know, towards the end of that scene when the FBI and everybody kind of bum rushes in on Sean Connery when he's trying to talk to his daughter, who is very skeptical about him because he's been in prison her whole life. You know, like he comes up and he kind of helps him save face to so that you know he he's not a disappointing his daughter again. And it's you know like it's those like little tiny moments and in. in that you see him kind of sprinkle throughout where you're like, okay, dude, like, how can I not cheer for, for this guy? He's, mm-hmm. he's aware of his own shortcomings. He's definitely a fish out of water, but you know, he's got it in him to like be the hero if he needs to be. And it's like, it's kind of a cool ride. Cause you see him go from being like, you know, very much uh, looked at as kind of the weak link in yeah. a lot of ways to being the guy who, who, you know, like, saves you know san francisco and yeah and all that well and the personality traits which are are stacked pretty heavy in the beginning when we meet him and and all the way you know up until they go to alcatraz 
the whole second half of the movie or, or back three quarters of the movie, you, they don't pound that in. Like once, once it's established, they leave it there. Whereas in other Bay films and other action movies, they, they can beat you over the head with it. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, again, where this one walks right up to that line and then stays on the, the, the good side of it. I agree. I, I think they just really did a great job with establishing his character and giving life and personality to him. And you see his relationship with his girlfriend played by Vanessa Marcel and uh, one of the, one of two females in the film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we have, you know, he's just, he's just one of the three anchors of this movie and, and there's a few things happening simultaneously. So while this is happening, let's, let's jump over to Ed Harris, who plays uh, General Frank Hummel. The men of Marine Force Recon are selected to carry out illegal operations throughout the world. When they don't come home, their families are told fairy tales about what happened to them and denied compensation. Well, I have choked on these lies my entire career. Well, here and now, the lies stop. Who, David, as you mentioned earlier, is very upset and and uh, almost, you know, he's at his wits end with the government and the fact that they've he's lost 81 men under his command that have never been acknowledged. Their families don't know what happened to them. Their families haven't been taken care of financially. And he's just had it. And he is, he's, you know, he makes it seem like in that opening dialogue, which is also so important for establishing that character that gives him a reason, a believable reason to see why he's doing what he's doing. And you can sympathize with him. Right. And, you know, he's, you can imagine that he's, you know, he's petitioned and he's talked to senators and, Congress and whatever, and it just gone nowhere. So he's going to take matters into his own hands. Cut to him and his platoon with so many familiar faces that we've seen in, in character actors that would pop up everywhere. John C. McGinley and David Morse and Bokeem Woodbine and uh, Tony Todd. It just goes on and on. So Hummel's guys steal the nerve gas, the VX nerve gas, which is the 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 artwork that it's in is <laughs> these oh, little dude. beautiful green. I love globes. the glowy green orbs, man. Yeah. Like there's, so, yeah. like so you cool. just like Christmas great. ornaments. Like you just yeah. you want to like play with those things. But that's like a prop that I want to buy, right? Yeah. Like I want to buy the 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 rock VX like tube with the green orbs. Yeah, in it. like that would so be fun to have. One. And but but it drops and it just like collapses and releases this horrible gas uh one of his guys gets trapped in it and you see it how what it can do to a human right away so you know how lethal these things are and he's stealing so many of them that you know it's bad news yeah uh, yeah I, th I think they say i think they say like at one of the fbi briefings like a tablespoon of this stuff in a room will like you know, kill everybody in the room or whatever, but mm -hmm. a tablespoon of this released in the atmosphere will kill like 60, 70,000 people, something, something yeah. along those lines. And not a, it's a painful, shitty way to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Ed Harris, 
at the time was like one of my favorite actors. Once I saw the abyss, Ed Harris yeah. was like one of the coolest guys to me. I, I thought he was awesome. Yeah. And look again, so look at, look at his body of work compared to Sean or, or not Sean Connery, but compared to Nicholas cage, <clears throat> he's had, he's probably been one of the most consistently good actors in our lifetime. Oh yeah. I mean, dude, it, he, right. There's never his, been a dip really. It's just good movie after good movie, whether it's lower budget, higher budget, West world, you know, he's, he's, he's always popping up and we always are seeing Ed and, and great performances every time, always intense too. Absolutely. Uh, so great casting with him, really strong. Another part of that, uh, that three person anchor here, holding this movie together. And again, just you sympathize with him. He's got a noble cause that you may not agree with the, with the way he's going about it, but you understand why, which is the great way to portray any villain. No villain ever thinks of themselves as a villain. They're always justified in doing what, whatever it is they're doing. Even somebody like as horrible as Hitler, <laughs> you know, right. In his mind, what he's doing is the right thing. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not like, I love being evil. Yeah, it's not like Cobra Commander, you know, but. But here's the difference. What they're trying to do with Ed Harris is make him a sympathetic bad guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you want to empathize and you want to kind of believe a little bit in their in their cause. Yeah, you know. Some of these other people you mentioned, not so much. <laughs> so, like yeah. they're complete monsters. Yes. And oh. I think what we see here, this guy, he's, you know, like we do empathize with him, you know, like you get it. Cause like he's doing it for what is arguably a good cause, right? Like it's the families of ultimately mili- yes, it's military but... families, you know, and, right. and, and things like that. I mean, still, obviously you can't do like the whole greater good approach. Like, hurt more people to prove a point like that's right. bad and shitty. But what we see towards the end is like, I don't think he ever really intended for that. It was, it was all bluff, right? Well, that's the question is the whole way, because most of the movie, it does not seem like he's bluffing, but you no, never he's really know. You're yeah. not sure. Yeah. It's once he gets pushed to that point that, you know, you see that that side of him come back out. But no, right. he's he can't he can't actually hurt these people. He's just wanted to. He wants the money for the families. So he yeah. wants that one million bucks each. <laughs> His ransom is a hundred million dollars. Those VX rockets are probably worth twenty million each. Like you know, at know. least yeah. So it's just sort of like they. <laughs> but it's nineteen ninety six money. That million was a million dollars was a lot of money back then. Hey man, well, a million dollars is a lot of money now. What are you I, talking about? I'll take about? it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the inflation it'd be one point, almost one point nine million today. So it's you know, but I mean, it's even. I just mean to say, like the they could have just stolen all those weapons and stole sold them on the black market. You know, like they could have just. Yeah, but, but then you don't know who you're giving them exactly, to, right? Like, yeah. Then he doesn't then, actually want to use. Then them. they're guaranteed to be used for bad. Right? Yeah. You yeah. know, like yeah, you lose all control of their their use you know he's trying to get the government to un, like to change what they do like this was supposed to be a a big this was just not even just about those families it was a bigger picture too you mm-hmm. know yeah raising and, awareness of the problem and yeah shining a light on it yeah 100 percent. so yeah i mean his he didn't want to as soon as the 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 
Navy SEALs came in and, you know, he's threatening to kill them. But like, as soon as the gunfire started, he didn't, he was yelling ceasefire. He didn't want anybody to die. He wouldn't, he didn't want well, other soldiers first, to die. Yeah. Like, that's let, let's come back to that shower scene. We're, we're going to get there. Okay. Um, let's talk about our third anchor though, which is of course the great, the late great icon, Sean Connery. You sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. Your best. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Huge. I mean, he's he's the rock of this movie, really. Dude, it's so awesome to like. Obviously, you know, like he stopped acting a long time ago, right? Two thousand three. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and obviously he passed away a couple years ago, and which we covered. Uh, if anyone wants to check that yeah, out, absolutely. we did have a, a remembrance episode. Again, in our archives at reconsideration.com, remembering Sean Connery. Yeah, uh, for sure. But man, every time I go back and see a movie that he's in, I'm always just so impressed. Like he was, he's so good. He's so good. And it's yeah. just like, it blows my mind that from 2003, like the last thing we saw him on was what League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's correct. Which, like, if you go back and rewatch that, like the movie's not great, but he's still awesome. Like he's still great. Well, and he just—I I think what was behind that was he, he just—he tired of the filmmaking process and dealing with the personalities and the yeah. I mean, he got issues. burned These... on that on that movie, you know, mm -hmm. and it just like totally left a bad. Yeah, and he didn't have to do it. And, yeah, and no, he if was. He didn't good. have to. He didn't want to, and that was it. Uh, but it's such a, I mean, I, I wish yeah. we had more with him in it, yeah. even though we have a huge body of work. I always thought we would get that one comeback movie with him, you one know, as a much one. older yeah. person playing a really strong role. I'm still hoping, hoping against hope that we'll get that from Gene Hackman, but not so sure now. But, but it's uh, just tough, man, because once yeah. people are out of like the public eye, you know, like I didn't realize that Sean Connery had had so many health issues mm -hmm. prior to his passing. Right. I mean, yeah. I knew, I knew he was old, like older and, and aged and, you know, just like he was, you know, late in years, but I didn't realize on top of that, you know, like he was, he was having like kind of significant health mm -hmm. struggles. And I don't know exactly when those like started, you know, but some yeah. of them, some of them can start for a while and, and, you know, right. just be a thing that, that takes you out of it, you know, like, I mean, I, Bruce well, Willis was, is another example, you know, mm -hmm. recently of someone who, yeah, unfortunately, you know, he's got a couple movies that I'm sure they're wrapping in post or whatever, but we're not going to see him in things anymore, you know, mm -hmm. and that's like, yeah. you know, yeah, it's a shame, but it's like going back now and seeing this and seeing Sean Connery again, when, you know, I mean, his prime was so long, like he had such yeah, but, a, yeah such a long he had multiple primes I he think. did and i think that's it right like he had he had obviously the prime of of his james bond and then and then again like really kicked it up a notch when uh you know like last crusade untouchables uh, you know yeah I mean, the rock, that, like right, well like the untouchables I mean, through last crusade and hunt for red october that's like another piece there yeah and then yeah your mid-90s things of like what is he coming off of here rising sun and just cause like he's great in those movies and first night and th and then right into this the rock yep and then what after this it's like entrapment he's got the action movies that he's still still doing um 
but yeah, the rock is, feels like to me, like the peak of the, the nineties movement for Sean. Yeah. It was good to see him in this. I was, I, it was, it was a very nostalgic kind of rush of, of like kind of amazement Mm -hmm. in his, in his ability, seeing him in this movie again. And so many between him and Nicolas Cage, just so many quotable lines from this movie, Mm -hmm. just like one right after the other. Right. But I Um, love how I, you know, he's, essentially like you mentioned brent he's he's basically playing james bond as if james bond had been caught well and that's the other thing right like it's just it's so awesome to see him kind of just own that persona again kind of you know a little bit from a different perspective but very much like he's grittier yeah he's grittier he's you know it's james bond more of like the books uh, the book character of james bond and not the one-liners and the women and the style you know that's obviously there's no opportunity for that here really but yeah um but yeah so sean connery is playing uh john mason who's a british spy was caught uh by well one of the people that caught him was john spencer's character who's our fbi you know the head of the fbi here in the beginning of the movie and he had been sent to Alcatraz and he's the only person who uh, he escaped from Alcatraz and then was later caught again. But he is the key here because he knows how to get, he's the only person who knows how to get into the Island undetected. So he's their secret weapon that they've got to, but they have to convince him to do it. So, right. uh, you know, he bargains this right with the, with about his daughter, right. Well, they're going to give him a pardon, right? right? They're going like, to give him a pardon. They're going to let him so he... free and, you know, and his, if that allows him to try and have a relationship with his mm-hmm. daughter who has never really known him because yeah. he's been in prison her entire life. So in this, the beginning part, part of the movie, and we really don't see much of them in the whole second half of the movie is when we see all the, the FBI round table, the government round table. Yeah. And we've got great actors. Littered with great actors. Yeah. Like John Spencer and William Forsythe. And we've got uh, David Marshall Grant, who is now a a, a big television writer that I've worked with. Uh, And we've got Philip Baker Hall, who also passed away very recently. Yeah. He's not even credited in the movie. Is he? Did he not get credited? He's he's uncredited. Yeah. I wonder why. I mean, he's totally in it. But this is like the time period where he's starting to show up in like every movie. Yeah, I mean, when well, same thing with Xander Berkeley. It's not credited. Yeah, there's a handful. There's a handful of them in this movie that are uncredited. You don't credit Xander Berkeley. Get out of town. That's what IMDb says. I didn't watch the credits, um, uh, but I yeah. I mean, I think it's there's lots of people. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, but just great character. And I think uh, Stuart Wilson, I want to say, is his name is is also one of the guys around the. Uh, the table there and kind of uncredited Al walking. Kramer. Right. Yeah. This is Al Kramer. <laughs> Al Kramer. Right. It's great. Walking through basically what the situation is, why they have to get John Mason involved and the find this discovery of Stanley Goodspeed. And they, I think they communicate with uh, Frank Hummel several times. So he voices what the plan is. So, they kind of walk us through the plot, really. <laughs> and then we meet our 
the decision is to sneak a Navy SEALs team in with the guidance of of John Mason, who's only going to get them like two Alcatraz and inside it. That was it. And then well, there's would... two there's two options, right? There, there's there's option one is they want to nuke the island with right this high burning explosive, but it's not proven and or ready yet. And so option two is the Navy SEALs break in. Yes. So we meet our Navy SEALs team, who of course is led by the only person that could lead that team, Michael Bean. Make no mistake, gentlemen, we're in the fight of our lives against maybe the greatest battalion commander in the Vietnam War, I shit you not. Any questions? Slow up. The great Michael <laughs> Bean. Yes. Uh, my whole reason for seeing this movie. But <laughs> uh, yeah, M- Michael Bean, it's tough because, again, it's great to see him in a big major movie after, you know, not really seeing him in too many things in the early part of the 90s. But here he is. But the price is he's got to play a Navy SEAL again. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he was... He's he so really, good at it, though. He is. He's so good at it, but he was typecast as playing a Navy SEAL, a Marine, a Army specialist, uh, something military-related. And and one of the big what-ifs in Hollywood history is... <laughs> at least reconsinimation history. Oh, yeah, maybe that. Uh, what would have happened if Michael Bean had been cast in Lethal Weapon instead of Mel Gibson? which was, he very nearly was, said, I don't know if that would have changed his trajectory or would he have become as big as Mel Gibson or would Lethal Weapon not have been as big of a movie as it was? So who knows? But uh, it would have been interesting to see or interesting to see if if the alternate Alien 3 had ever been made, which we talked about and, um, you know, where he would have been the lead character and what that would have done for him. But none of those happened. And here we are. And but totally totally believable um as as the leader of this team which actually had a lot of actual navy seals uh real life navy seals on that team yeah and i I think he he had a tough time with that of like trying to one-up these guys and be their leader when he's like i'm just an actor they're the real deal you know well i feel like this is the last movie michael beans in that is like recognizable for yeah i mean a what like after this he's it's really a lot of lower tier action movies video games and tv movies and things like that asteroid i think was a tv movie from 98 was miniseries is great yeah (laughs) Yeah. i watched the shit out of that yeah yeah (laughs) but uh yeah so it it kind of you know luckily again we we're seeing his face more now in the last few years and i think people that grew up as fans are now directors and producers so it's it's coming around again john for your birthday i almost got you a cameo from michael bean oh yeah i was considering the same what does he do is it does he is he oh doing yeah ca- yes oh, definitely about it he Guys. like definitely he was doing cameos i don't but know he, if he still is but a couple years ago when i looked into it he he oh man he kind of just riffs though he doesn't like he doesn't want you to give him a script and he doesn't want like you know not that you have like you don't you don't have to give people scripts but he just kind of yeah. sits on his bed and just like hey 
to me because you can watch all these other cameos he's done it's yeah like, yeah i was like oh this kind of would be disappointing to send to john so i i never got i'd him take one. it i'd take it <laughs> um yeah but uh so you know in between all that we we actually get this we mentioned this huge action chase through the streets of san francisco while they're cleaning up mason to make him more presentable he ends up escaping and stealing a hummer of course and and only stanley goodspeed is able to get away and chase him down in a yellow ferrari and just that scene is like pretty ridiculous but also a lot of fun it's really well done that's a great michael bay yeah Yeah, totally ridiculous but totally great yeah Yeah, it's really well done i mean there's like he does bad boys there's definitely car chases in that does this there's no like he's the natural choice to do transformers where it's just cars (laughs) like chasing each other was he was he the natural choice (laughs) why not it's just (laughs) You know, like he's good. He's he knows how to do uh, you know car chases. I think they're good. Yeah. So, but really, really exciting. Good car chase and a lot of lot of crashes, and uh, they end up uh, you know uh, kind of all coming back together, and and that's when they meet up with the the Navy SEAL team, and they they go in. They go. They sneak in underwater, which is actually a miniature sequence. Oh, is hmm. I, I thought because when I saw the feet going, I'm like, that looks robotic. That's like, weird. Yeah, like, it's, it's they're like, really like bigatures. They're scuba like big... Steve. Was it scuba Steve? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Painted black. It was so, very mechanical with the with the the feet. You know, as they come in underneath Alcatraz, one interesting thing that popped out to me, and I think it gets called out maybe on the audio commentary somewhere that uh there's like a furnace that is lit and running how would that when when yeah. alcatraz has been shut down for how many years at this point 96 and 30 years it had been shut down how is this furnace still going the one they why have are, to roll through like mason has to roll through in time so it doesn't get burnt why are people crisp. why are people questioning this <laughs> Come on, it's the right. rock. Guys. It's getting. It's where they're getting the power for the rest of the island. Maybe, know. maybe Frank That's Hummel's it. guys lit lit it, relit the the furnace. Maybe that. Possibly, yeah. you'd think they would have put one of those little sensor booby traps there somewhere. Those were cool. So then, so then we see they've lit. They've they've, you know, put these little booby traps, right? These sensors all over the place, specifically like in this one shower location, oh, and shower. it's like this. It it the smallest vibration will set set it off, and then they'll know somebody's where they shouldn't be. Right, right. And unfortunately, our Navy SEALs are walking directly into a trap, coming up through this shower where they the Hummels guys immediately have the high ground, and it's a it's a Mexican standoff, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a little Tarantino there. We'll, Maybe not. Could be one of the other writers. Could be. But, Could be. But yeah, we have this great showdown between Michael Bean and Ed Harris, and uh, this really intense back and forth between the two of them of who's going to back down. Meanwhile, Mason and Goodspeed are are being babysit by uh, an actor named Danny Nucci, who's who's also great. Kind of mm-hmm. underneath the showers, just the three of them waiting because they didn't want to go until it's secure. 
and our Navy SEALs are unfortunately and very dramatically slaughtered against Hummel's wishes. So that's it's a big, sad moment. Michael Bean, you know, was only briefly in the movie, but memorable nonetheless. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and then it's really a cat and mouse game after that, because Hummel's guys think that they've got everybody, but we know that Goodspeed and Mason are still alive and able to kind of start maneuvering through, you know, first they have to decide if they're going to go on with the mission. And once they do, it's them just trying to get to each place where those rockets are and defuse them one at a time. Yeah. Luckily, they had most of them stored in one spot. Thankfully <laughs> so they, for them, so yes. they can get the majority of them in one one maneuver. Yeah. But the last three, they were pesky. <laughs> but we get a lot of great, you know, uh, you know, one on one, hand to hand action scenes. Oh with, yeah. Um, you know, between oh, was it Tony Todd and Nicolas Cage and. Um, Gregory Sporletter and and I think it was he square off with Sean Connery, but you know one on one we get these great you know back and forth between between you know several different pairings and the Rocket Man dialogue. Come on, <laughs> you Rocket Man, <laughs> you yeah, it's great. Tony uh, Todd pre Candy Man, yeah, no post this post Candy Man like was it? Four, oh yeah, yeah, four years oh. after. Um. But, uh, you know, while we, we also see Hummel, tensions rising in General Hummel's group, whereas some of them are dead set on setting these rockets off and blasting him into San Francisco. And then we start to see that maybe he, you know, he wants to wait till the very last second. Yeah. So we see that, you know, the crack in his wall there that maybe he's not, maybe he is bluffing. Right. And I love how David Morris, who is his right hand man, when they have their there's you know another yet another standoff yeah that one definitely feels tarantino to me yeah just, for sure but i mean that reminds like, me true romance like yep. without a doubt yeah so. but i love how david morris's character just stands by his general yeah he's the like loyal soul he's the real loyal soldier there yeah although there's a split second where you're not sure right yeah you question it and then he backs him up yeah and then it's slow motion blood flying very operatic like yeah choreography yeah a lot of that actually and yeah you know when we get to the end where with with stanley goodspeed like climbing up you know he's he's been so he's been poisoned by one of the one of the little globes right yeah but he's got to get to the to you know the the military has sent the jets to to bomb the island because they don't know what's going on they think that's their really only only yeah they've lost they've lost contact with everybody and then we get that dramatic shot of him with the flares he's got green smoke green green smoke smoke. (laughs) yeah and that slow motion you know that's like a signature shot of the movie and Exactly. And then, and then he's got to stab himself in the heart. Here it comes back again, right? Yep. He, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want to do that. Who does? Who nope. does? And he almost dies, but he I, I can't imagine I couldn't even give myself like an allergy shot. Like <laughs> could you I don't know if I could do that. Did do anyone... you think that do you think that's Tarantino as well? Well, that's I mean direct pulp, pulp fiction. fiction, you know, direct reference right there. 
Yeah. What stabbing himself in the heart? Yeah. Well, just the injection in the heart. Yeah. Know? Does that happen in Pulp Fiction? The adrenaline in the heart. Yeah, man. Yeah. With the with the OD. Remember? Mm. It's been a minute. He had. Uh, Might be time to watch that again. I've only seen the movie. Eric the one time. Stoltz. Whoa. Eric Stoltz has. David the, uh, just dropped a bomb here. You've only, only seen, seen Pulp Fiction once. Wow. Once was enough. Oh, I don't think so. But <laughs> not if you don't not- remember Uma Thurman, Uma Thurman getting stabbed in the chest with with the. Oh, oh she's the one that gets stabbed. Yeah, yeah. in Eric she- Stoltz's apartment. Yeah, yeah. Vincent Vega has to. It's time for a rewatch, sir. Oh man. But did, anyway, did, um, did anyone else think though, in general, Hummel, like right at the end, uh, the final that that battle with his guys, and then he gets dragged and and he's like up against the wall and he's dying and he's got a. Yeah, where's the last rocket? And he's just like, and the the patriotic music's playing, the music's swelling, and he, he's bloody, and he, <laughs> and he and he 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 he's leaning against the wall, and his body falls over. He did, and I just thought the blood smear was going to resemble the American flag. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that was missing. I was just like, okay, there'd just be streaks, and somehow there'd be some blue in there with some white specks somehow, and it was just like that. There we that that would be the move. Like you gotta there be the money is. shot. Like. I was just waiting Dude, for bleeds it. America. Yeah. So anyway, that's I, I just watching it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, because the music's swelling and it's kind of oh, patriotic yeah. and absolutely. Oh, I mean, it's genius, hundred percent. So he missed, uh, missed opportunity. opportunity. Yeah, yeah, missed opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know that that just uh, the climax of it was was really well done the all the action all the way through the entire sequence on Alcatraz and again like we talked about in our point blank episode that shooting the movie on Alcatraz and I'm sure some of the interior I'm sure some of the interiors were a set but I know they tried to shoot as much as they could in the actual you know in the actual building itself so oh yeah and around i mean yeah it, yeah for sure so hey, and, they, you know it, there is a difference between a stage a rebuilt set on a stage and the actual dynamics of a true location like that and i think they, they got so much out of it especially on the exteriors of yeah that mine chef seen 100 percent underneath <laughs> alcatraz yeah that's good that's where all the laundry went um that caves that that scene is bananas that one oh it's so crazy it's so kind of out of place but at the same time i'm i'm in did you notice though when they went to the exercise yard they they did shoot up the staircase that we saw in point blank where they were standing above that then like you still see the two i-beams but there's nothing to stand on anymore Mm -hmm. above it yeah but you still got the exact they're on the same exact landing where all that action took place i was like yeah cool well i think i think alcatraz deteriorated quite a bit oh um, certainly oh yeah 67 or 66 when point blank was shot to 95 when 95 96 when the rock was shot i mean just naturally 30 years 30 years of not being kept up you know yeah except for the tour except for the tour route well, I think yeah. at a certain point they had to actually like stop doing tours there so that they could just make it actually safe, safe. to visit again. And, and, and I think this movie was a part of it's like reopening. Yeah. Um, but Has anybody, yeah. I've never, uh, other than our camping trip this time around, like I've, this is the first time I've been to Alcatraz. Had you guys ever visited there before? No, this is a first for me. And actually, I'm in the cell where uh, Stanley Goodspeed was locked up briefly. Oh, that puts me in Sean Connery's. So That's... let me just get the bedding and the, yeah. the 
roller from the bed here and we'll get us out yeah no we'll lickety split hook ourselves out because uh david has locked the doors um mm-hmm. as we did not want but <laughs> oh he did though he's like yeah. suckers he's in hummel's office the warden's right. office yeah. Yeah, man, that's right um yeah but just so well done so the action was just so much fun i think uh you know the we we talked a lot about in the beginning of the episode just the the look the plot is ridiculous and absurd but because of the performances because of the there is a sort of a logic to this to this storyline and the decisions that are being made here by everybody that they're like it does in the world of this movie it does make sense so i think all of that kind of holds this movie together Whereas there's not a lot of weak points that you can, you know, punch holes in it. What do you, what do you guys think about the ending? Um, so we, we do sort of get like a cliffhanger, not a cliffhanger, but. You mean the whimsical little, like the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the so we, raising, raising Arizona esque kind of whimsical ending of, of them bit. going and stealing the, the. Yeah. We get, we, we get sort secrets. of our happy ending, right. That, that Mason gets to escape. That good speed helps cover up, you know, his exit that, you know, he says he was incinerated and, but Mason's got to, we're assuming have to swim off the Island again. And at whatever age he's at, no, uh, no, he's going to, he's going to get the things. Yeah. He's using the, Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. The Navy SEALs. uh, Yeah. The Navy SEALs underwater torpedo bikes or whatever the hell they were. (laughs) Uh, and then we see him meet up with his daughter and 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 their strained relationship and wait they meet Claire up Fulani. again. Do they, they meet, meet up? Oh no, that was the earlier in the movie, right? Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But but you assume that they're going to. Oh, um, that's a hundred percent where he's going. Yeah, that's the uh, whole point. Right. Exactly. And the only person who really seems to to care is the one Womack. FBI guy, Womack. Yeah. Yeah, Womack. Right. That's everybody that's else. Special. Everybody, everybody else, even the other FBI guys are like, oh, that's tragic. He burned up in the flame. Well, William Forsyth incinerated. Right. Has that like knowing look. Oh, yeah. With with he's he's on board. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's like, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. (laughs) William Forsyth could have his character could have been such a douchebag. And like they like and he kind of is like sort of making fun of Goodspeed. But then he's on he's on everyone's side like because he plays yeah. the, he plays the heavy when he's dealing with mason but then he's like sort of like he's encouraging good to be like he does not make in front of him for vomiting over the the no. the, bre- the the intensity of it but he'll still get angry on the over the mics and all but then he like treats the people with compassion like he's got this it's a nice little balance of just he's not playing a one note guy where you know uh spencer probably is a little bit you know so it's yeah. really cool because foresight could be I mean, he's that character actor of just like you mm-hmm. can be that intense guy the whole time. And it's just a refreshing way to 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 portray, uh, you know, th- like a guy that's, you know, an FBI dude who's kind of a macho dude, but he's not being like a complete jerk off like the whole time. I mean, I just meant to say jerk there, but um, he's just being yeah. a total jerk. And like, so it's kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know. Was, he, that was a refreshing I forgot about his character really and there's mm-hmm. a refreshing uh, take on on a, that kind of guy you know yeah i agree and i think that it's like those subtle little things that make this movie remain palatable even though it's you know ha- however many years after its release it's like yeah. you don't get the 
kind of cliche bully mm-hmm. kind yeah. of effect, you know, that I think you might probably get from, you know, if this movie was made today, you know, like I think that that would be kind of the default approach, right? Like they, they kind of reserve that and it's, yeah, it's good. You're right. I mean, there are some characters like, like Womack who are just kind of one note, but a lot of the other characters have a lot of nuance to them, which is, well, which is but, pretty good. But that being cool. said, I, I feel like in the beginning of the movie, not at the end, but in the beginning of the movie, when we really get into the more of the details of the relationship between Womack and Mason, I, I think you, I think you get a lot more out of that character there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then by the end, yeah, what, yeah, exactly what you said. Yeah, I mean, his only concern at the end is like, "Where's Mason? Where's Mason? What? Happened? Show me the body. Show me the body." Yeah, it's a little like, okay, you know, like I understand it's important to you, but yeah, yeah, he's, obsess- he's obsessed with Mason. You know? Yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not like a bad character. That it's a perfectly motivated character. <laughs> like, I don't have yeah. a problem with with sure. Uh, with it's not a big turnoff, but it's just like one note. Yeah, but like, but if William, if Forsythe also played a, a, a sort of a just a bully kind of jerk the whole time, like the two of them would be like completely unlikable. So yeah, you know, well, and Forsythe had plenty of opportunity to have to to play that in the in the role, and it just yeah. wasn't it wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, it was like, nice they didn't go that direction. Yeah, they gave him a little more humanity of just you yeah. know trying to save these eighty-one people. You know, I don't know. I think it's cool. normally too i'm not a huge fan of movies that are like guys movies that the movies that are really made just for guys Mm -hmm. but this movie i feel like you know it's one of the one of the few michael bay movies that doesn't insert a romance some kind of romance storyline sure whereas you know we which is probably good it is. I think for this movie, it's it it wouldn't have fit. Where would you have put it any more than it is? You know, we know. Well, it's also like in the other movies that he does insert the romance, like he's not very good at it, right? And so, exactly. like, yeah, it becomes something that detracts from what he is good at, and it makes the movie feel off balance and right. and kind of off putting in ways. Whereas, like, he doesn't even get it doesn't get muddied at all. Like, this is this is action. This is flashbang. This is let's go. You know. Mm-hmm. It's, they don't they don't get caught up in in any kind of sentimental stuff here mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean we see the relationship with vanessa marcel in the beginning of the movie and then we know that she's revealed that she's pregnant and she's also in san francisco so that's part of what goodspeed's motivation is because sure she's in you know he's gonna lose his his uh fiance i think at, at the time that uh yeah you know, an unborn the, child right uh, so, you know, we come back to it at the very end where we see Mason's given uh, Goodspeed the the location of where all these secrets, these government secrets can be found in some church in the middle of nowhere, right? And 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 Goodspeed's got them and he's uh, he's on the run, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which was well, going... He's, he's on his honeymoon. Yeah. And yeah. he's and he's running, but he's just running from the priest who's saying That's vandals, true, yeah. vandals. Like nobody else is following him in any way. But but it's uh, I love that it's you know he's like, honey, you know, do you want to know who killed JFK? Like it's that kind of material that's <laughs> that's on this reel of film, right? Yeah, 
yeah. all 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 the secrets all the secrets the For all um, the conspiracies but that would have led to what what would have been the sequel which i was always surprised they never made which was then he goodspeed was going to be on the run from the government trying to find him and shut him up and get that back and then he only there's only one person he can turn to to help him escape and that's mason is this a sequel that you've crafted in your this is nope this is uh, yes this is the john diner sequel to rock no this is also what i heard was floating around as as a pitched idea um i don't know so out of context for well that might be why it never got made yeah that's fair you know i don't even know if it made it to script form yeah so well you would have imagined i mean i don't know this movie made money right so yeah you know, well, I, mean, I mean what it, would you it, you couldn't call it the rock what would you call it yeah i don't so, know a lot a lot of problems and and probably i guess it's for the best that it was uh never made but yeah um i don't know this movie just for me it's so much fun it's the right mix of action and levity and it, it's just you know, like we said, rides that line so well. So yeah. Um, before we get to box office glory, though, let's circle back and see how we've all done on the answer to our trivia question. Mm. Okay. Which mm-hmm. was, what mm-hmm. are the, there are three pairings of actors reuniting who have worked together before. I'm saying there's four, by the way. Okay, but, maybe maybe there is a fourth. But, um, but. Brem, what do you got? You got one of them? I'm sure you well, guys, between all of us, we can nail it. I've got Bain and Harris for sure, or Bean and Harris from, from the Abyss for sure. Right. Yeah. Which was uh that's that's yes, that is that's probably number one in my heart yeah. right there. But that's yeah. you, they they talked about the two of them having such a strong dynamic because they working on the abyss together and was like surviving a James Cameron movie is like going through well, yeah war together and so like the two of them had a really strong bond and i think that fueled that scene the intensity. oh yeah absolutely um roles yeah. reversed sort of in a way yeah a little bit yeah uh, um okay. let's what see. else david you got you got one that was the big one for me but i know i i know somebody else was in platoon with mcginley but it's got to be i just it's got to be one of the other like uh-huh marines yeah. or navy you're right there couldn't i couldn't tell you uh i don't remember i uh, tony todd tony todd tony that makes todd, sense john c mcginley platoon reunion that's one of that the harder ones to get john c mcginley man i can see uh, i love him but every time i see him now the only thing i can think about is him in scrubs like i know me too. he is yeah. forever he is forever in Wait, scrubs now for me you're saying that overrules highlander too yeah definitely it overrules everything like even in this like he's so good but like i cannot it not see him yeah just oh yeah he's so great in that i mean yeah he played that that's his biggest character i mean he played that character for years and was so great at it of course so many other movies like office space which we covered here and uh, a True. number of Oliver Stone movies, but he's he was another character actor all over the place for years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about a third? Can anybody name a third? I can name a third. Okay. Uh, I've got Connery and Harris in Just Cause. 
brilliant. Yes, oh, absolutely. That's wow. two years in a row. Uh, absolutely, that is a hundred percent correct. Yeah. yeah, way to go! So uh, everybody's getting in on the action. There's one more also that I can that at least that I can think of. I'm trying to think uh, back. It's got to be Nick Cage and something, right? Yes, it is. But it's gonna be early Cage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very early Cage. Oh, Forsyth and Cage, right? Bingo. In in Raising Arizona. You got it. <laughs> so there you go. So a lot of pairings yeah. have worked together. There may be even more in here because we've got so many actors. A, so many actors, and B, those actors are people who appeared in so many movies, like Philip Baker Hall. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of combination. I mean, when yeah. you take into consideration all of that, Actually, yeah, I'm Ta- sure. I got another one. They didn't were in the scene together, but Philip Baker Hall and Gregory Sporletter and say anything. Oh, (laughs) there There you go. go. Yep. Small role. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure there's tons of them in there because this cast is littered with very recognizable faces. You could probably play six degrees of Kevin Bacon uh, a bunch of different ways with these with the group. Yeah, you got there's definitely somebody in that military round table who's in Footloose. So yeah, no doubt. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so there you go. callers uh whoever got all five of those uh wins a a very special prize which we'll reveal later on <sighs> just call the uh call the 900 number line. yeah and then uh all right that being said uh let's take a look at box office glory All right, so the movie has a budget of $75 million. It is released on June 7th, 1996, so that's right in the beginning of that summer season. Yeah. We had Twister was out, Mission Impossible was out. This is, I believe, the third uh, release. Uh, and it opens up against the... the What's the word I'm looking for? The... Zanerific? No, the the... the titan that is the phantom and they had so many high hopes for that movie oh yeah they 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 wanted to be batman yeah they really did but i I love billy zane but that just was not the right uh it was like the poor man's rocket man or rocketeer as a kid i loved the phantom but like as a guy in a suit like the purple it just didn't look good they, they, you know, they yeah. were going to the well of these, you know, '30s <laughs> heroes, like you mm-hmm. know, so you have Shadow, your Shadow, Phantom, like which these we, are all we'll Dick, cover Dick the Tracy. Shadow here. And these are all basic; these are all human beings doing stuff. You know, they weren't yeah. superhero. Yeah, I mean, they're heroes or whatever, but they're not like super powered people, right? I guess the Phantom had some psychic ability, maybe. Yeah, the Shadow had a little. The bit Shadow had too. something, right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, they learned, but they learned it from like a mystic, you know, like mm-hmm. an exotic, uh, you know, Asian culture or something. And it's like, right. oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> like a little something that wouldn't play that well today. <laughs> but uh-huh. uh, yeah, so not a lot of competition there. It of course opens at number one, uh, has a twenty-five million dollar opening weekend. It ends up with a a total of 134 million domestically, 336 million worldwide. So that's that's a pretty huge hit right there. 
especially yes. for you know carrying on the names of Cage and and Harris and Connery and then of course Michael Bay as well, really cementing his status, uh, which would go on to this day. Really, uh, it is the number. Now I have it as number seven of ninety six, but I think. You guys had number four, but I had it as number seven, right between 101 Dalmatians and The Nutty Professor. So I might have, I might have misspoke. Either, either way, it's fine. Either way, we know it's uh, it's high up there amongst a year of a lot of big, you know, successes. So right. whether it's number four or number seven, it, it's it's uh, definitely something to that the mark is a massive hit. Absolutely. So watching it then and watching it now, did our opinions change at all? Did we, do we love it the same, more or less? What, what do you guys think? I think it withstands the test of time. I, I will say it's been a, well, I have not watched a lot of Michael Bay stuff in a very long time. So I think the separation from watching Michael Bay made it kind of exciting again to mm -hmm. see it. And again, I think that the, it's a good kind of balance of his approach and kind of being still being reined in. It was before he had like absolute control, which I think is detrimental to his mm -hmm. approach. But well, yeah, I mean, don't count out the involvement of super producers like Simpson and Bruckheimer who oh, yeah, really no know how to shape a movie. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to discount them of, but you know, to be fair hand of, of, you know, shaping this a little more than maybe what would have been just Michael Bay's vision. Yeah. Fair. But also let's not excuse them from having this it, Bruckheimer having the same, problems because there are movies post this movie that i feel he is also trying to recapture a formula not mm -hmm. using bay but using very bayish yeah movie agree tactics that yep. i feel fail miserably like we've talked about con air before i know we're we might be torn in the room but i am not a fan uh, gone in 60 seconds is mm -hmm. awful. Like, I mean, there's, th those are a couple, there are many, but like, sure. And for whatever reason, in this particular instance, the formula had not quite been established. They were still kind of building and mm -hmm. it was not too much to be a distraction. It was just the right amount to really feed into the kind of, excitement of it all and mm -hmm. it worked really well and going back and rewatching it i think it totally holds up like it still really works well it's still just enough without it being too much and the actors carry so much of it that that it's uh you know i think it's great yeah like honestly on a rewatch i was like so excited it was like watching it again for the first time i was just having a blast yeah, I I agree with all with everything you said there. I mean, the the cast really holds it together. The dialogue, um, it's 
you know, is the dialogue kind of cheesy, some of it? Sure. But it's it's just enough to before it starts to get on your nerves. Like it really, like we said, it just stays on the right side of it. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think um, this movie totally held up. It's still oh, yeah. fun. I could still, my suspension of disbelief uh, wasn't, um, you know, wasn't triggered. It was like, yeah. okay, I'm I'm along for the ride here. Anything more and probably I wouldn't be, but, uh, you know, a lot of that is just, good actors all over this movie you know yeah. top to bottom there's really in in every sequence and every location you've got believable actors their dialogue is not ridiculous um so it grounds it it keeps it um you know it, it keeps it believable so uh yeah i had i had a lot of fun with it and i could i could watch it again right now i love it I know. I feel like this one needs to go in like kind of a rotation because it's been a long time since yeah. I've seen it. We watched but, it, David, didn't we watch it at my backyard movie night at my house uh, a couple years ago, I think? That could be right. Yeah. I think feel like we've, yeah, I think you and I were yeah. in the same room. I showed the kids. Point. That's right. I showed the kids that night. They, Is that right? they, they also enjoyed it. So, yeah, it's very good. They're tough critics. So, yeah. Yeah. This is the uh, toughest. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 left point blank. So <laughs> couldn't handle that. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, for me. This is absolutely number one uh, Michael Bay movie. I would say it's top five Nicolas Cage movies. Probably top ten Sean Connery, just because there's a different body of work there. Sure, sure. Uh, it might be the best Bay movie, though. I, I think, without question, it is. I don't. Yeah, I don't know that there's. I mean, pull anybody on the street. Just go out to the street and just grab somebody. Any the first person you see, and you talk Michael Bay. You go through their lineup, and then they, then they'll say, "Oh, well, The Rock's good. The, Rock, the Rock's fine." They might. Like I think Armageddon. a lot of people say Armageddon, man. But God, I could not really. Agree. I oh. cannot agree. Yeah, with that. yeah, that's. That's another episode right there. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I agree. Yeah, I think if you pulled the, the if you just did a poll, I think I think Armageddon ultimately probably wins that just because whatever, but I think The Rock is the right answer. I don't know. Like the that's people that I've I've talked to the, the rock is the one that they, they give him a pass on everything else is just they're really harsh and maybe justifiably so <laughs> the rock deserves to win yeah that's all I'll say yep. you're you're not even an Armageddon fan I'm not no, but he's he's speaking for other people that he has uh, already I, I'm making some I'm making some assumptions just based off the sheer popularity of that movie at the time when it came out yeah. culturally well, and the music and the yep. soundtrack and what it meant oh so how many of... how many people it reached compared to the rock you know like i just feel like ultimately numbers wise like more people yeah. probably saw armageddon you know like broader audiences that would have weighted a poll for that for that one to to win but i stand by that I think The Rock is the right answer. I, I think, well, speaking of, you said, you said soundtrack. Again, just want to mention the Hans Zimmer score here. Sure. So much fun. 
I mean, you, I think we've seen it on trailers for countless times uh, over the years and just a lot of uh, great tracks there. But yeah, you know, Nick, just one more time on Nicolas Cage. We covered Face Off here. We've discussed Con Air amongst other movies. This is the action movie that works for me. That sure. is not too much and ridiculous and over the top that we discussed in our Face Off episode. Some people, including myself, really struggling with that. Uh, I struggle. Yeah, with, with how it's aged. Whereas this one, it's just shy of being over the top. So, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't have. It doesn't show its age. Yeah, uh, like Face Off does. Yeah, right. That, like, I agree. Remote, remotely. Yeah. Yeah. Or in Con Air, yeah, pro- uh, probably ages better than uh, Face Off. It's pretty awesome. But um, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I've seen it once. Is, I should go. I, I, I should me watch. Me too. It. I need to. I need to watch it again. It's gonna yeah. happen. David's we'll probably... gonna get it in the lineup, and we're gonna we're gonna watch it, and it's yeah. Honestly, like, oh my god! Like, You're like, I love it's going to be like watching it for the first time again. People are I probably people are probably mad at us right now. We're getting letters uh, because this is actually the anniversary year for Con Air and not for The Rock. But mm. we mm-hmm. uh, opted to do this instead. So, because oh, it's well. set on Alcatraz, Con exactly. Air yeah, we knew so. this vacation was coming up. So, well, yeah. and speaking of that, our vacation is rapidly coming to an end. It's going to be September back to school before we uh, before we know it here. So, uh, thank you guys for for listening to our, our journey into Alcatraz uh, with Point Blank, and then especially here with The Rock. Uh, a lot of fun to be had. I want to thank some of our friends, uh, E.K. Wimmer for the theme music and Curtis Moore for the poster. Uh, You can check out our archives at reconsinimation.com or find us on social media. Uh, We're on Twitter and Instagram and anywhere else. And uh, don't forget to rate and review our episodes. It uh, boosts us somehow. I don't know what on what scale, but it boosts us so more people can hear us. So Uh, anyway, and... uh, yeah, we'll uh, stay tuned for what we have in store for September. October is coming up soon. Shocktober returning here. We're definitely going to have some special guests coming up. So uh, stay tuned for that in the next coming months. And uh, we will see you next time on Reconcinimation. Take care. Bye now. Michael Bean rules. enjoyable than my average day. Reading philosophy, avoiding gang rape in the washrooms, though it's less of a problem these days. Maybe I'm losing my sex appeal.